Hello everybody and welcome to the Halloween special for Spill Your Beans. Today we're going to be talking about Psycho. I'm joined by the wonderful Samuel Davis. Hello. Hello, I'm Sam. May I? Davis. Yes, I had that planned. That's brilliant. That wasn't a sound effect. I can just do that with my mouth. So. Yeah, that's incredible. That's that's some talent it's right there. Actually, incredible. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's a it's a pleasure. Um, you're one of my favourite sort of channels in the Doctor Who community. I love the uh, kind of series you do. The Brock Cannon stuff is brilliant. Um, that's so it's praise. great to have you on this uh, podcast. A lot of fun. And I know you're a bit of a Excellent. film fan as well. So um, is... you inviting me on here is letting me put my film degree to good use. Finally, <laughs> definitely. I used um, to be film stuff on my channel, and I just fell out of it. So yeah. hopefully, this can link me back in. Well, there we go. It's a new era. Um, you picked sort of Psycho as one of the films you wanted to talk about on the sort of application form thing. Um, Had to. Why is this a film that you wanted to talk about? Why are you like a, are you a, like a huge fan of it? You got particularly something to say about it? Have you got any good memories with it? All of the above. All of the above. (laughs) It is the most fun movie I think Hollywood has ever made. Mm. Uh, I I think the context of it, the production of it is exciting. There's so much in there. Not only is this my first film school film, you know, it's it's totally one of those first films you get shown in the first week of college. Mm. Um, But it also has enough in there, enough meat on its bones to get me through to a, a master's level even in the late stages of my film degree i was using psycho to really, really get some nice grades and wow. so i owe it a lot so i owe alfie a lot mr hitchcock thank yeah. you <laughs> um, but it clearly that's a testament that it's always got enough for me to latch onto and go back to it that's fab i think for me i was saying just before we started that i had never seen this film until yesterday <laughs> we've all got them we've all got those films <laughs> um but it's a bit of a weird one, I think for me. Is it, like it's, it, it was a bit of a strange one because obviously going into it, everyone knows that the famous scenes. I think for me, and you, know, I kind of saw you. You know what the twist is at the end. So like mm-hmm. for me, I kind of I knew that going in, which kind of is, is an interesting experience to have. But you know, it's it's strange, and I don't. Wanna, I'm trying not to like jump in with all of my thoughts immediately. But I was. I I have I have a few little little things where I'm, I wasn't too keen on certain elements of it, but. Love generally mm-hmm. um like a wonderfully iconic film I, I i did love it for the most part and you can see why it's such a classic you know it's one of those I, i've got to ask i've got to ask as someone who watched it last night uh, i have to say yeah. how did it square up to your expectations you had for it like the things that pop culture had told you did you think that the iconic scene would happen 30 minutes in with our main character yeah that's the thing because i was I, I think the scenes themselves that I like knew about, I loved them. Like mm. obviously the famous shower scene is is still incredible. There's a reason it's so famous. It it was brilliant when it like in within the context of the film. Um, I did find myself a little bit waiting for it. Like, is it going to happen here? Is she going to go in the shower? There? I'm like, what? When's when's that going to happen? <laughs> um, uh, and then it did, and it was brilliant. Um, I don't know. I think it 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 was strange having that expectation going in. I I, I don't know if I expected it to happen sooner or later or anything like that the one thing that really surprised me and this is jumping right into the middle of the plot but i didn't realize i mean i obviously this sounds so stupid because the famous scene is her getting stabbed in the shower in my head she didn't she like wasn't dead she's like the main character of the film i think that's a really interesting Mm -hmm. thing even though it's such a famous film and such a famous scene where she gets stabbed to death in my head i'm like well she's the main character 
it's the ultimate subversion. It, it's it's brilliant. so so cheeky. Uh, that is the one thing that people like when that happens. When the big iconic moments that you've been taught through Simpsons mm. and general cultural mm. osmosis happens. All right, what now? Yeah, and then the film enters a whole other fun stage, and it just gets more and more fun to me. Yeah, because now the audience are in the know. I don't know. It, there's so many fun elements to it. There's, so the, the um, film has so many kind of like parts of the plot. Like uh, it obviously starts out for me a bit surprising. I didn't expect. It. I mean, I, I kind of obviously it had to start in a sort of normal scenario in a sort of workplace and like uh, girlfriend boyfriend kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. that first bit of the film, basically everything before. Um, she arrives at the motel with the the money, stealing the money, changing the cars, getting chased by the <laughs> all red herrings, officer. all yeah. of them red herrings. <laughs> yeah. What are your sort of thoughts on that? Is like the opening to the film. Oh, it's tense. It the fact that Marion Crane can make such a lasting impression with just that half hour. Yeah. In fact, you're genuinely sad when she's gone. Is well, it says it all really. Mm. The first act has to stand alone as its own movie. And it completely succeeds. So (laughs) I find it so funny that the lingering shot, the last shot of Marion, I think, is the money on the toilet. Or or I get flushed away. Just basically telling you, yeah, it doesn't matter. None of this mattered. There it goes. There she goes. (laughs) It's so crushing. Yeah, that's a great point. I think it's like, the thing I'm liking about this so far already, like five minutes into this, is that even the little things that I'm sort of, I can see that, but I'm not really considering it on a, like too deep of a level. The way you're talking about it so passionately, it sort of makes me go, yeah, no, this is really good. Even the bits where I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, no, that's great. You know, um, I'm really interested in the parts that don't work for you. Um, just because, you know, that adds to a film that colors. Yeah. Much, yeah. There's, it? there's, there's bits, but I think, I think generally like it was a very, I, I'm, I haven't seen too many films of this sort of generation, so it was it was very different um, for me. Um, uh, mainly being a bit uncultured, it is it is a very different type of the way like uh, the way it was structured and like the sort of pacing of the film was very different to kind of what I'm used to. The surprises and mm. the twists um, are all great and really well. They're, they're all unique, even for a film of this era. That that it's unique yeah. even for a film in Hitchcock's mm. filmography. He's never made anything like this, and that's partly why it works so well mm. yeah it, um, this is my oh sorry so no go on go on go on uh, this is most definitely um alfred hitchcock presents tv syndication that, like mode of alfie where he's mm. in that stage of his career um where he's in that stage of his career when you, we actually look at his broad filmography which i've done recently i watched every single hitchcock film he's ever been Blimey. involved in last year on a yeah that's a marathon <laughs> not one i recommend they're very samey <laughs> Uh, you realise it's mostly, it's not The Birds, it's not Psycho, it's detective cases and noir thrillers and mm. spy stuff. But this is out-and-out horror. This mm. is William Castle levels of schlock. Mm. And at the time, he got so many like raised eyebrows, uh, no support from the studio, because he was making a piece of schlock, and this was deemed beneath him even at the time. Mm. And then he makes it beautifully iconic with like yeah. the craft of a master. Mm, he just, he'd proved everybody wrong with the yeah. finished result. Well, yeah, I can see that. Even when I'm watching it, I'm just like, even, you know, and obviously there's some fantastic ma- uh, films made around this period. But the one thing I like, even straight away, I was like, this looks like incredible. The way it's shot, the, even the acting, just everything about it, even just from the get go was just like, wow. This looks like incredible. Mm-hmm. 
like and everything's in, everything seems intentional like there's a yeah. reason you can take any shot of this movie and do a film class 101 with it <laughs> because it's it's the barest of film language doing its job it's so so clever so good yeah um, um and that's from the very first scene if if i may if yeah. i go on that little tangent about uh film technique <laughs> uh opening the opening moments you're yeah. peering into a private taboo scene you're seeing two lovers behind closed curtains and that starts what this film's really about and the reason why hitchcock views it as a fun picture is because mm. it's voyeurism yeah the whole film is voyeurism looking through that hole digging up the bodies looking into this yeah. personal life yeah and you're hitchcock's putting you in the perspective of norman and mm. unless you're looking away at this woman changing then you're just as guilty as as norman himself in that scene that's a, that's really interesting. This I feel like I'm learning. Oh. This is brilliant. Oh, Hitchcock loves voyeurism. He, he <laughs> takes his film philosophy is that we're all just a bunch of weirdos looking at pictures of other people in the dark, uh, <laughs> and he, he thinks filmmaking is quite perverted. Um, which, yeah. yeah, when you really think about it, in a in a weird way, yeah, that's a really good point. I never even thought about that, but you're you're so right. I think if, if I may also it's yeah go on it's definitely your turn no no no, <laughs> no honestly I, I, I want you to go off I'm loving this I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm getting to like learn stuff this is fantastic go on a, a lot of his career is about like point of view perspective just the way he shows a scene like mm. um, you get it in everything from Vertigo to uh, well Rear Window is that embodiment mm. Rear Window is the ultimate embodiment of him showing the audience the point of view and leading the audience to whatever he wants you to see. The Psycho is a film that's ominously aware that there's an audience watching. Mm. Uh, so I'd go one step further. It's not just you're looking through the viewing glass. It's not, you're, not just you're being a mm. creepy voyeur stalker. <laughs> I think Psycho is a film just as much about what you don't see as what you do see. Because mm. what's on screen is so intentional at every single second. Oh god, it's so hard trying to think of things to say about this movie which aren't so catalogued as you yeah. know, like oh, the, this was the first uh, <laughs> depiction of a toilet in movies. That's true, by the way. Is I'm it? trying to stick away from. Tr yeah, that's the first. See, I didn't toilet. even know that. That's mad. <laughs> Uh, they're using chocolate syrup as the blood in yeah. the shower scene. There's all that's these fun. Classic. I'm trying to stick away from the trivia. Mm. Um, and something I notice in this movie and i did write about it academically once is that norman knows that you're watching the movie not in a deadpool meta self-awareness way it's not that literal not that literal mm -hmm. but when the movie ends with norman breaking the fourth wall and other little details that start adding up like narration only when mother and norman are speaking and the fact that norman whenever there's a reflection or a mirror in a scene he always has to avoid it. You never see him in a reflection at any point in the movie, even though the even though the motel is covered in mirrors. Okay. At one point, when you know the couple who come to follow looking for yeah, Marion, yeah. when they're standing at the desk, there's a mirror in the real in the very middle of the shot. And to get over from the scene, he has to disappear off camera just to avoid being seen in the audience in any reflection. Sorry, I'm getting really fixated That's on this. Really <laughs> odd. It's there's lots of little details where he's 
he's just avoiding the audience. And I don't know whether that's... I don't... Sorry, I'm going full conspiracy mode. Oh, go for it. <laughs> no, but no, This is no, interesting, no. though, because I, I, I think it's... I, I, I would never have clicked on that initially, but it, now I'm like, even though I just watched it yesterday, I'm like, I need to rewatch this and see all these little details that I missed. I never really considered that he's... Obviously, he breaks the fourth wall at the end, he looks at the camera and all that sort of thing, and there's that little um, sort of narration segment which ends the film. But I don't know. I, I, I never really considered, of course, that he's he's sort of, in a way... You can you can read it as that he is aware that you're watching this. I'm interested it's, with the mirror stuff. Though. That's you know how some people get like really really insane theories over The Shining. Yeah. About like the moon landing. Yeah. That's this is that movie for me. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you mean. There's a there's something very uncomfortable about it. About um not Norman himself maybe, but the the director knowing that you're this peeping Tom. Mm it creeps me out yeah I've got this massive video editor I've got this massive video essay on my own channel about interactive horror that knows that you're watching and that being the fourth wall being like this transgressive wall blah 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 psycho is that to me yeah <laughs> it's just this really fun haunted house ride um that well that I feel guilty for even looking at mm that's fascinating because yeah, I'll, I'll come off the, the the higher concept nonsense I'm trying to get out and go yeah. back to the go <laughs> back to the basics. <laughs> I feel like we've just descended <laughs> to a different level here. We like, we, I oh think, God, no! I hope I is... hope you cut half of that. Honestly, no, I'm keeping <laughs> all of it. <laughs> no, no, not all of it. Surely, no. Okay, it's, um, it's it's interesting though. I think the I, but I love those sorts of films that can really get to that point where you can really think about it. One of my Criticisms, uh, criticisms of this film, which now feels a bit redundant after we've had that conversation. Which I think it's an interesting no, thing is that I got a bit of the thing I quite like about, especially horror films as well. Um, two of my favourite horror films are The Shining and The Lighthouse, and I love mm-hmm. uh, I love a an open to interpretation angle, especially with horror, especially with a uh, character of someone going mad. And I know there's a lot. Obviously, yeah. you've just kind of talked about. There's a lot to <laughs> interpret there. There's- Maybe My... behind the scenes, behind the camera, there's a lot going mm. on. That's not Psycho. Um, Psycho at the end, Hitchcock has yeah. a psychiatrist tell you exactly and that, what happened. That's kind of that's kind of what I was thinking when I watched it. I was like, the the scene where like um, is it Leela or something like that? She walks into the room and sees the the mom as the like skeleton, like dead, and then Norman runs in dressed as his mom, and the big shit eating grin on his face. I, that was terrifying. I love that. And then cutting mm. from that almost immediately to here's a man who's going to stand for 10 minutes and tell you everything you need to know about what's yes. gone wrong with Norman. I was You're a bit like... wrong at all, I was a bit like... <laughs> you know, I, I just like... I like a little bit of having my own sort of interpretation of it or, you know, more sure, less tell in a way where it's like I would have loved to have had more time um, with Norman after realising that his mum is like long dead and he's just gone mad like I know that's obviously hinted at through like the sort of 20 minutes half an hour preceding that sort of reveal where he runs in dresses his mum but I would have liked to have had a little bit more time with that character to really like but I think that's maybe more of a modern thing in filmmaking maybe this is just a thing, a thing of its time where that's just that's just the way things were and that's the way Hitchcock wanted to do it and I do 
respect that and I do like it, but it, I think it took me out of it a little bit where they're all just sitting asking questions like, so what's this? And mm. like, oh, well, let me tell you all about this mental condition and what's exactly wrong with this guy. Yeah, that that's Hitchcock all over though. Uh, mm. Here's a man <laughs> as utterly fascinated with psychiatrists as he is terrified of police. Right. Um, and he, he, he will let that completely take over his movies at times. Especially as like Norman is the most interesting character, so mm. the fact that by that point in the movie Norman's gone mm. is is a shame, and it's it's way, it might even be wasted potential. A genuinely yeah. like terrifying, like the the shot where he runs in, like kind of got to me. I didn't like it; it made me feel uneasy. There's, the the, the oh, shit eating grill in his face with the knife, and like that really just that that actually scared me. And I love when a horror film can really like hit that nerve, and it felt a shame to go from that. To him getting taken down so easily and then like a big explanation it was like oh mm. i was really like that was like the peak of that character and i was like i really want to see more and obviously it's a brilliant note to end on when he sort of looks up at the camera and grins it's an iconic shot um but like i i guess i think i was especially with the amount of expectation going into this film i think that ending i was a bit like oh, i really i really wanted something a bit more from that um mm. than just y a sort of explanation right. Luckily, luckily for you, I have um, Psycho, the sequels, Psycho 2, Psycho 3, and Psycho 4. Stay away from them, please, George. <laughs> I, are you kidding? Are you actually taking I'm the not, piss? Or, I... I'm not. They exist. <laughs> they exist with Anthony Perkins. No Hitchcock involvement, obviously. Really? There's a, there's a, I mean, I knew there was a remake, and I know there's, like, it's a Bates Motel. whole thing. It's a whole Psycho thing. Psycho 2, it, it, it does a... Ex what? Apparently, uh, the general consensus is that they range in quality, but the only reason I come to this film is because it's a Hitchcock silly piece, a passion project. Yeah. And it's got <laughs> I think some it's, of the um, same actors uh, yeah, in as well. That's insane. Yeah, and Anthony Perkins says, yeah. That's mad. <laughs> Norman Bates, he's, he's the only horror icon with a whole range of movies that does the cooking and cleaning. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> he's a good... Well, that's do you think in this movie? Do you think in this movie that Anthony Perkins has Andrew Garfield energy, <laughs> or, or the other way around? <laughs> We're not talking in the in the room full of birds with all the taxidermied birds. Yeah, Anthony yeah. Perkins is such a heartthrob. Initially, when he's like really sweet and lovely, I can see what you mean. That's <laughs> I never considered that, and I wasn't honestly I expecting those, that sentence to be said in this. But <laughs> that, yeah, that's a very good, that's a point that I hadn't really considered. But uh, yeah, I guess I might be way off a little it, bit. It's 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 unfair that it, Norman gets to be so charming just for that one scene, isn't it? Mm. I I think and, I and just that, yeah, and that's the problem. Uh, Psycho. Well, to me, it's not a problem, uh, but it's not mm. a character piece remotely. Uh, no. That's not where its priorities lie, um, for better or for worse. It is a haunted house ride where mm. Hitchcock is taking you from room to room, uh, it, it, even in a slightly Scooby-Doo corny way, going, blah! Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I and love a, it for that. In a way, yeah. I think it's, it's, it is a fascinating one, because, like, I, I think the kind of person that I am and the kind of... Because like, I... I, I Horror is both my favourite and least favourite genre at exactly the same time. Mm. Because yep. you can provide some of the best pieces of filmmaking you'll ever see and also the most cheap 
garbage dog shit kind of films like ever really mm-hmm. um you know on one hand again like my, some of my favorite films the lighthouse the shining i i love them they're incredible but on the other side i've never really seen stuff like but like i don't know like annabelle or like the nun or something where i'm just like it's just jump scare central and Doing i think favors, yeah. the thing that i love in a horror film is probably more character-driven stuff especially when you've got such an iconic um character or person that is fascinating to look at even stuff like silence of the lambs the, the film isn't even about hannibal lecter all that much but he's so fascinating as a character to just look at and watch and you, just you could still write a thesis on that yeah character. exactly and he's, he's secondary yeah totally and like obviously jack torrance and the shining and you know well both the characters in the lighthouse with this it's like i almost want to read more into norman bates but i feel like because it's not that kind of film i felt like partially maybe a little bit disappointed that there wasn't more with his character because i really wanted to like get more out of it but obviously you know as you're saying it, it is more like a sort of haunted house kind of ride thing which i think is definitely mm. interesting i think that's kind of where my my issues lie with the film which is again very minor very nitpicky i think the film is brilliant let me just put that yeah, out it's there. totally legitimate um, it's totally legit i think it's just like i really wish that and especially because you've got these sequels and stuff but as you're saying they're if you're saying they're absolute <laughs> shit then i'm not going to go anywhere near them um yeah but it's a shame that such an iconic character that's not i mean every, everyone knows who norman bates is it's such a classic name that rings a bell to everyone even if you've seen the film or not it's like i was kind of going into this film going well i'm gonna meet a brand new like horror icon here and i felt like i met a guy who was a bit Absolutely mad a dude. who's going through some things right yeah now. <laughs> <laughs> he's struggling a little bit but yeah mm. i think it's i think i find everyone in it even norman just fairly incidental um mm. these are just a accidental meeting of people and details and not even all of the elements in the plot matter mm. um yeah how's i going with that Hmm. I think generally though I think before we because um, I want to kind of like tail this off a little bit and we'll continue talking about more about the plot stuff after the uh, break but one thing I do want to quickly mention is the music in this mm-hmm. which is absolutely <laughs> incredible um, like a, a, a genuinely brilliant score obviously the theme is so like iconic anyway as is the music from the shower scene but it is genuinely frightening no matter how many times it's been parodied or anything like that, every time that that the piece of music comes on, either the theme or any of the violin stuff, it is shocking, and it is genuinely terrifying. Mm. A nineteen sixties movie can still raise a genuine jump from you, but it's yeah. earned. and and that's Just, that, that's yeah. absolutely excellent. Yeah, I, I I'm, it, it, are we talking about the same scene? Is it the one where we're looking at the lo- the detective who gets stabbed at the top of the staircase? Mm. Yeah, when Norman steps out, when Mother steps out there, yeah, that that's that will still get me. Just every time the music sort of like pipes up, even at the beginning, when Marion's in the car driving and the music's playing, like even that part is kind of like on edge. And then every time, obviously, Mother pops up on Norman, like that's scary. That the the sharp like intake of like the violin kind of noises, it's it is terrifying. Maybe because it's mm. so iconic in history that it naturally kind of invokes that reaction like when you hear that type of sound you relate it instantly with terror and maybe that's it's the like, effect it has but i don't know maybe maybe like, yeah maybe that's something to do with just its place in history and how iconic it is um and what you associate it with 
but also maybe it's just because it's a brilliant soundtrack as well. Mm. It's like to me, it's just like yo, Hitchcock Loki popped off with this one, huh? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> on the topic of music, um, I'm going to trail off into our first little segment that we have on here called the record spinner. Uh, we ask you to come on here and um, provide a couple little things, and one of those things for this segment is to talk about film music that they love, either a film soundtrack to a whole film or an individual track uh, from a film that really means something to them or just one that they really enjoy listening to that they really like, that they stand out above all others um, so, yeah, do you have sort of an option, I mean you've got, you can mention some honourable mentions if you really want it and go off about that or if you've got just one pick for a soundtrack or an individual track then, yeah Honourable mentions have to be it has to include the likes of Jurassic Park. Mm. It, you just have to. Of course, how could you not? <laughs> it has to include, honestly, the latest Bond film, No Time to Die. That yeah. was most powerful. That, Genuinely, that yeah. A damn punch. Um, Elton John and Phil Collins work miracles in their Disney films. Those soundtracks are just mm. instantly heartbreaking. But uh, no, I only there's only one person I could go with. I've got a favourite composer and mm. I do have favourite drags of his. I c- could not limit it down to just one movie, I'm afraid. Mm. But uh, I love I adore Michael Giacchino. Oh. So he he's most Yeah, yep. yeah, I mean it's not you can't, obscure, you can't is argue it? with that. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a fantastic choice. Uh so Composer of Up, Spider-Man: Homecoming, Rogue One, Mission Impossible, Coco, and I also think Jojo Rabbit. Uh, his best ones for me, the ones you know, the ones I carry around on my phone. Mm. We've got the Incredibles score, of course. Yeah. <laughs> How could you not? And um, I love Doctor Strange. Mm. I think some of the work he did on Doctor Strange, like I can tell you the names of those tracks on the soundtrack, which I think is a testament to a superhero movie soundtrack. Yeah. Master of the Mystic End alone, that track disproves that entire criticism of uh, modern movies and the MCU having no iconic soundtracks. Mm. I can recite that to you now. And I will. If if pressured, <laughs> I think it's that's interesting. I, I think that one track alone I, completely completely undermines the argument. Yeah, I th- I love I love a lot of his work. The one thing I, I I'm not too familiar with the Doctor Strange soundtrack, weirdly enough. I feel like I need to now. And then you have got Spider Man Homecoming course, over on the left, going bam bam ba ba bam ba. This is fantastic. And I don't, I'm not obsessed with these movies. I just think they are equally on par with some of the most iconic blockbuster yeah. soundtracks around. Oh, definitely. I think like his work, especially on uh, Rogue One, was uh, incredible, especially considering I think he was the first sort of composer to come in on a Star Wars film um, that wasn't sort of John Williams and actually try and bring together the iconic themes whilst sort of creating his own imprint and his own vision for the the soundtrack and i think he did a a phenomenal job with that especially contributing to a a universe which is already so iconic for its music yeah no that that's where all the heart is in rogue one i think it's it's mostly him doing a lot of the heavy lifting um but i i just don't like the the argument in general that modern movies don't have iconic scores oh yeah no and they're just thinking of jaws they're just thinking of back to the future yeah but and off the top of my head what can we harry potter yeah Pirates of the Caribbean. It's it, it's that argument doesn't. There's so many. It, I mean, even uh, even mentioning before, like No Time to Die has an incredible soundtrack. Mm. And although and that's, that better be iconic, you know, 
<laughs> and that's obviously that better become. I yeah, it's 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 one that obviously is using stuff from like previous um, films and stuff again, like using elements of stuff from Honor, uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service as well as obviously the main Bond theme. But like even its original stuff is brilliant, and the way it incorporates it's incredible. Um, it, but... it, I love it when it brings back um, Billie Eilish into the mix. Oh, her song into absolutely the mix, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's not, so emotional. It's a brass band doing Bond justice, yeah. and that's exactly what this film needed. That's <laughs> incredible. Um, this is going to be a very difficult one, and I'm not expecting you to have an answer for this because of the way you talked about Michael G- uh, Giacchino's work. Is there a like one like track that really like st- strikes you from? I mean, I, that's a big question because it's obviously his entire like sort of. Um, discography um and obviously you couldn't even narrow it down to like a single film soundtrack so obviously no pressure but is there one that you particularly have uh, a connection with that really just hits it for you every time and that you could put even slightly above others i'm trying to think which one would i listen to before like a girl boss night out which one (laughs) would i play at my wedding and the answer to that is i would play the incredible soundtrack uh, before a girl boss night out, mm. and the Doctor Strange soundtrack, bef- as I walk down the aisle. Amazing, that's a, that's a great answer. <laughs> quite a scene. A, quite a scene. That's there. a great answer <laughs> to that segment. Um, thank you for that. Um, we're going to go on a quick break um, for those listening, and then we'll be back right after to do the other segment, and then talk about everything else we want to talk about about Cycle before wrapping up. So yeah, going to get me some snacks. See you in a minute. Okay, and welcome back to the second part of this Psycho Review podcast. Um, we're going to jump right into our second segment um, on here, which is called the 64K Ultra Mega HD range. This is uh, a segment on Spill Your Beans where we ask guests to come in and nominate to a very exclusive range of DVDs. We get rid of the Criterion collections, Steelbooks, your 4Ks, your Blu-rays, all that sort of thing. This is the most exclusive collection barely any films get added to this and you get the lucky privilege to nominate one film that means something to you that you really love that you want to put in this collection in the disney vault <laughs> what, what an honor <laughs> what 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 film uh well you can have any honorable mentions for this as well but what film would you pick for this collection i'm not going for my favorite films here uh mm. for reference that would be the animated movie summer wars uh sorry to bother you and life of pi i'm avoiding mm. those three today because uh i mean you're saying this is like a 64k collection i i want something that i can archive for archival reasons so be more people can see it yeah. something that i want to, a film a little baby film i want to look after and that is um mr sardonicus another mm. horror film by Mr. William Castle. And, again, I pick this because I bring this to you today. It's like the polar 
it's it's the perfect companion piece to Psycho as well. Mm. So and, when, when when we were talking about recording this podcast, you were quite keen to talk about this film as well. Um, a double feature, which, which I would have done. I just yeah. haven't had the time to watch both of them. Um, absolutely fine. But you've already sold me on it. But just in case you want to sell me a little bit more on it, and for those listening who might not be aware of this film too much, sell us. Why, why is this uh, a film that you would put in the collection? William Castle was an infamous figure in American Hollywood. It was he, quite a cheap... No one would call him an artist. He was a gimmick cinema guy. The sort of dude who mm. would have skeletons drop down from the ceiling in the cinema itself. 3D glasses, smell vision he would do all of it. I think he was excellent, and the world doesn't value him enough. But at some point, he makes Mr. Sardonicus, and I don't think he realised he actually just made an excellent movie. Uh, Mr. Sardonicus <laughs> is the story of uh, a Count Dracula-type ghoul, a man with a deformed face, uh, and who... Of course, this is, the, this is the old school definition of a ghoul. He defiles graves, he eats bodies. Oh. And these, this film is about the many crimes of Mr. Sardonicus because he's actually, he's not a stand-up guy. He's a bit of a naughty boy. Mm. And the, it's tense, it's scary. It gets close to the mark in the way that a horror film from the 60s should. Uh, I, st I find it effective today. But mm. then there's the ending. The film opens and ends with William Castle in person, himself, okay. talking to his audience uh, in a way that I'm going to talk about later. Hitchcock also did for Psycho in a way. Hmm. Definitely you didn't see that part, though. We'll get there. I definitely and... didn't, but I'm, you're very <laughs> That'd be a, very, be a different movie if that was in the film. William Castle addresses the audience at the end of the movie and says, Do you think Mr. Sardonicus should pay for his crimes? And all huh. of the audience have a ballot card underneath their seats. <laughs> can tick yes or no, hold it up to the projectionist, and then the projectionist allegedly would pick an ending you know, where he gets vindicated or is allowed to be re rehabilitated. Of course, only one ending of the movie exists today, if another one was even filmed. He was quite, like I said, a schlocky director based on gimmicks. Huh. But what a great idea. What? That's insane. And then the movie res resumes with that. Just ending. continues. That's amazing. Yeah. It's great. Uh, it's a great concept. That's the kind of thing that I, I absolutely adore because you would never get that nowadays. Because you just no. couldn't because of like, like digital releasing and all that sort of thing. You know, that's fascinating. Like in a cinema, they've got little ballot cards and they hold it. That's fantastic. It's adorable. It's dinky. But he's also touching onto something quite profound where an entire mm. group of strangers in the dark are like calling for blood. They're, they're making a democratic decision to kill a man, <laughs> which That's... I find is so dark. And I, I've done, uh, if you want to look up my video essay on the topic, <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, that's Davis Interactive Horror. It'll come up. <laughs> I find it... <laughs> Sorry, I find uh, it so exciting. Excellent plug, excellent plug. Dude, it's the only good video I've made, George. Let me have it. <laughs> I disagree, but sure. Um, <laughs> I just love that a bunch of strangers are always going to pick the bloodthirsty option by default because that's how horror works. That's how any group of people with an anonymity will act. And mm. I think 
he touched on something really quite profound and freaky to me. When you get an audience around you turning, I find that scary. That's fascinating. That's, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, like, I've never seen the film. I don't have much knowledge about it. I've never really heard about it before you sort of mentioned it to me. But I think, d- despite the quality of the film, that concept is fascinating to really, almost in a weird way, to sort of judge the audience and see who what kind of people they are. Mm. Complete, I mean, again, you're saying complete strangers you in the if, dark. That's fascinating. If there, wasn't an end, if there wasn't a second ending filmed where Mr. Sardonicus was allowed fr- to go free without being mm. executed, um, that just shows how much faith they had that audiences wouldn't pick that option. Blimey. So there's yeah, no, it's, yeah, not even, it's not even 100% certain that there is another a, a second yeah it's never been found it's never been included on any release yeah we think it's a bit of a of a ruckus but That's i still mad. think it's point is made i do but that, even even if there wasn't a second ending made i think that in itself is quite incredible involving uh, when when yeah. a horror film crosses that line like a like i was saying earlier with the fourth wall mm. it's, it becomes personal it becomes intimate it becomes wrong you realize you're just someone watching other people's lives yeah but then like let's let's say they didn't do a second ending which it doesn't look like they might have done so then to to even do the ballot cards to even <laughs> be asked to do that for the sake of what of reason when it's there's only one ending that's incredible there's such a i would like uh, most movies now to have a punishment poll feature involved <laughs> even if you have to pay a little bit extra like with 3d or 4dx uh, I will. I would love a punishment poll. I just I, if if an, indi- if an independent cinema would do this, I'd be all over it. Mm. Classic scene. So I don't know much about um, William Castle as a director. Is this the kind of because you say he's like quite almost gimmicky? Is is that the kind of thing that he would do quite often? Is there more stuff like that? Because you got me fascinated oh, there's now. A, there's a goddamn ton. The Tingler would have. Uh, it was it was about it was like scream, scream for your life. Defeat the tingler, and everyone in the audience would have to scream because their <laughs> seats were vibrating because the tingler was about to get them. Adorable oh my stuff. god! <laughs> House on Haunted Hill was just ridiculous. Oh, there's too much. You've got to look up House on Haunted Hill. There's too yeah. much going on there. Um, and Thirteen Ghosts came with 3D glasses. If I hope I'm remembering this correctly, where once you put the glasses on, you could see the ghosts. That's incredible. <laughs> Like That's Invisible incredible. Wink, you you could see this whole other layer to the movie. So so gimmicky stuff, yeah. And it was it was people looked down their nose at it, but it's really innovative. It it's fun yeah. whilst also genuinely pushing the bar. I find it's experimental filmmaking, and I think that's yeah, that's very commendable. And it's 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 upsetting a little bit because I'm only finding out about this now. I admittedly hadn't heard of William Castle before this. Mass appeal experimental film. Um, mm. That is just insanely fun. <laughs> uh, it's also yeah. don't get your hopes up though, as it's a film. It is a good piece of film, even without the punishment pole. But it's the sort of film where you get lines like, "Sir, have you ever met a ghoul?" <laughs> it's also that's the tone. Yeah, no, that's I, really I, much, yeah. I could kind of get that impression, but I think I, I love the fact that I just, I, I love the ambition there, the creativity behind it. It's not just about the film; it's about the experience of watching the film. Um, mm. In days before streaming and, and DVDs and all that sort of thing, um, 
to have something like that, which is that going to the cinema is an experience. Seeing a film is an experience. It's not just a film. It's it's the actual event of going there and seeing it. I think that is fascinating, and it and it it's a shame because I I hadn't heard of this uh, this guy before. And now I'm I'm definitely gonna go and look this up after, and not just not it. just this one film, but his entire filmography, and see what other weird like shit he's got away with and done. I think that's fascinating. A fantastic I'm, entry for the for the uh, <laughs> thank segment. You. Thank you. I hope more people see it. Um, I'm, I'm morbidly curious. It's all, I think the scariest thing a film can do is address me personally mm. and remind me that I am an audience member. I find that mm. very scary and have since I was a young boy. Yeah. That's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um moving on from from that back to sort of psycho. Um you I had so- a psycho tangent if 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 that would help. I was going to say cuz you mentioned you mentioned before as well about Hitchcock having a little thing at the beginning. <laughs> what was that about? Cuz I'm not I'm not forgetting that. I'm giggling in the corner to myself like a little goblin. Um, It's not in the film itself. The trailer, Mm. and you can watch the trailer on YouTube, but the trailer for Psycho is such a joy. And it completely tells you where Hitchcock's head is at for making this movie. The trailer Mm. doesn't have any any clips really it's just hitchcock himself in person with fun goofy music going as he plods around the sets all of the set pieces from the movie going room to room slowly telling you what happens in each room basically spoiling the movie (laughs) for everyone and and he's funny and he's dry and it's such it's the strangest trailer you will ever watch but it's a haunted house ride. And Hitchcock's going from room to room being like, oh, you wouldn't believe what's in that room. It's so fun and cheeky. I love Alfie. That's amazing. Pieces. I love that round man. <laughs> that rotund man. I'm definitely watching that right after we finish recording. Yeah, this. oh, That's it's brilliant. It's a, it's a ride. It's a That's ride. brilliant. Oh, my God. Um, I don't even know where to go from that. That's brilliant. I don't know what we didn't talk about before in terms of the actual um, film and stuff. I think, like... The general story, I think, is is brilliant. I think I, I love the setting of it. There's something really weird about the world, like the the imagery of the the sort of house on the hill, um, sort of almost behind the the motel itself is so like gorgeous. I I, I, I adore set. it. Like I so just every time like someone pulled up to the motel or anything like that, it's like I know it's iconic. I know I instantly recognised it, but it is gorgeous even without that. Like, for a film that was made so, so long ago, and a film that might, in some ways, scare people off from watching if you're not into film and you're not sort of, you're not into sort of classic kind of stuff, it might be quite difficult to go, oh yeah, I'll watch this this horror film from the 60s. But this is actually still really, really effective at what it's trying to convey. And beyond that, it's a lot more stunning than a lot of films made like after it this is so it's the master, beautiful it's the master suspense and that involves amazing cinematography it mm. just does it's incredible <laughs> yeah it's that incredible. that set is, is gorgeous and i've uh, i've seen it in person they it's still intact to this day what the uh, house? i had norman bates yeah the house the motel Shit. on the studio <laughs> i had norman bates chase me out of it it's on the universal studio tour on the back lot tour oh my Florida. god oh. Or was it Cali? Regardless, 
that's still there. It's still standing, and it's beautiful. I'm definitely going there <laughs> at some point. Bloody hell, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, it's it's you, we're struggling to see like where do we go now because we've talked about it in a larger sense, but it's a movie about details. I don't think we'll mm. go far trying to talk about the plots. That we there is no. a great second unit, a second team, a party of characters. And I think mm. those secondary characters are interesting in their own rights and likable, but um, yeah, it, it's a film of details. The fact that all that, all those taxidermied birds in the in the lunchroom where they share dinner, this, mm. when they're talking about a character called Marion Crane. Mm. Oh shit! Yeah, they add up. Also, That's so taxidermy. Here's another one for you, George. <laughs> Go on. Taxidermy is a stuffed bird. And also, that's a somewhat of a English colloquialism for a bird to get stuffed. <laughs> so there's a lot of sexual morbidness. Yeah. That's... Lib humour in this film as well. There is, there is a lot of that. And I think there's something really fascinating I have with old films where I just... There's so much... So many minor details in it. And... It's not that you don't get that with modern films, because you do in, in, in a lot you of really cases. Do, yeah. But I feel, it, especially when you go back to older films, I think they... Maybe it's something to do with, like, the budget and what they could do at the time, but there seems to be a lot more focus on the minor details, and the really the, everything adds up, everything makes sense, everything can have something inferred from it. There's probably a reason you were able to refer to this film so much in your, like, studies... Because there's so much to take from it. As you were saying, mm. you could take almost any sort of shot or scene and, like, analyse the hell out of it. And that's for, you know, for good reason. That's not just because it's a classic, it's an old... It's because it's such a, like, well-made film with all those little details. Like, the amount of things you've mentioned to me in this podcast that I hadn't even known, that next time I watch it, I'll be looking for that and I'll be like, oh my god, yeah, he was right. That's, that's amazing. I don't know, I, I it's one of those ones that... Although I think my expectations did get the better of me a little bit, and I was a bit like, oh, I'm not 100% on how I feel about certain elements, especially, obviously, the ending, as we've talked about. And mm. maybe it's something I need to, like, again, go back to and kind of look up and really, like, read about it and then go back and watch it. Um, but I think it's, it is a masterful film, and it is a film that will absolutely, like, stay with me, which is probably the case with most people, I find, that may end up watching this. Excellent. It, it's such a benchmark to me. Uh, how did you feel? All questions on you. On now. Yeah, on no, now. go for it. How did you feel about the shift in cast, of course? Once Marion Crane's gone and the film starts to follow Norman's side of things more, mm. just does that change the way you felt about Mother? The way you felt about Norman or I thought it was the other interesting. two visitors? I, I thought it was interesting. You know, I, I, even though, obviously, as I said before, like the shower scene's very famous, you know that she gets killed off. But I, I almost wasn't expecting it, even though that that scene is so iconic. You know that she dies, she got murdered. That's the famous scene. For me, like, um, it was it was strange. Again, shifting from that, I love how. Again, I I knew the whole thing about, you know, Norman and mother being one and the same, mm. throughout this. Yeah, it's still very good, and it does hint at it, but it it's still very good at hiding it to a point where I was like. You know, if I didn't know that, I don't think I would have had a clue. You, would you have thought... Uh, no one in modern day is getting fooled into thinking Mother is alive. Yeah. But the film 
does the job. It does. Yeah, definitely. Work, oh, hundred percent. That I, I, I think when they start questioning about Norman's mother being seen by this, like, uh, by Sam, it's like that. At that point, you're like, okay, so she's dead. So it must be mm. like Norman who's gone mad or something. Um, you can only get so far into a movie before you realise yeah, we yeah. haven't met this character yet. And yeah. when there's already such a small cast, you can only, you know, yeah. keep fooling the audience for so long with that one. Yeah, it's it's it's. But I, that being said, even though I knew it going in, it wasn't. It didn't take away from it. I still loved the film, and I think it did a fantastic job of hiding it. Even still, to the point where I was like, you know, if I. If I'd only seen like a little bit of it and didn't know the whole like ending of the film, I probably would be doubting myself a little bit and going, Have I, did I hear that right? Am I thinking of a different film? Because she, she looks alive. <laughs> you know, even <laughs> when he's carrying her down the stairs and they're having a conversation, I'm like, yeah, that's that's like, that's interesting. It's, 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 it's a really cool way of doing it and it's a really effective way of doing it. And my God, the reveal again at the end. That one uh, little scene um, in the basement where the the mum sort of spins round and then Norman comes in it, I just can't like I can't get over that scene it's so brilliantly done but it's so like it, it's so short but it's so like effective like that genuinely scared me and I like my horror I, films it's not like a jump yeah. scare it's just terrifying imagery and sound design and just everything especially it, it the such a punch it, it, yeah it, it's it's such an abstract even awkward visual it is. It's 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 a strange visual seeing a realistic Scooby Doo skeleton and then Norman coming in, which is Anthony Perkins in drag. Mm. Um, it, it's really weird to look at, but because every cylinder's firing, it is just this obscene combination of sound and image. Mm. It, it's yeah, it's impulsive and it lands even today. I think something I get again from horror films that really like fascinates me is 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 like this is a really weird like divergent thing from like what we're saying but like the the visuals of like the human face and the expressions which can be sort of had especially when it's not like making a noise someone with a huge grin on their face with their mouth open or someone who's like screaming you know with their mouth open but there's no like visible like sound there visible sound what the fuck am i talking about there's no sound <laughs> there's no sound coming out I, or no again, audible visual yeah yeah, yeah there's yeah. no <laughs> there's a, a bit like the, like the shining again where danny torrance is 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 hearing the conversation between his parents and there's that visual of him screaming and you can't hear anything you can just see the face horrified and like contorting itself and i got again i get that from the ending of this where norman bates runs in again with that huge grin on his face it's it's like that same reaction from me that sort of uneasiness in like in the gut where i'm like oh this is this is making me feel uncomfortable in the best way possible it's the final i'll keep saying this until my broken record that's how i got my film degree it is the (laughs) final set piece of, it's the final room of a haunted house, right? It's the final big scare. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's, and it's so the way well the skeleton just turns around. Yeah. yeah. It's so obvious and silly, but also obviously works. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, I, I, I love that someone with such a dry career as Alfred Hitchcock um, made the most horrifying thing he could with some really like 
really out there insensitive no what's the word I'm looking for sorry um with some really exploitative vicious subject matter mm. but insists this is a fun picture Mm. I'm having fun. I'm being silly. Yeah, and that energy is just unrivaled. That's where all the best horror comes from, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a, it's a great point, and I, I I think for those who like haven't seen it, who are listening to this, um, obviously we've talked about a few spoilers and all that sort of thing, but genuinely, I, you know, I knew the spoilers going in. I I think I'd seen the last scene again when when the sort of mother's revealed to be dead and all that sort of thing. Um. But even still, I had like a whale of a time with this, and I think it's still such a fascinating film to go back to, even just out of general enjoyment of watching a good film, but also in terms of its historical context and like the kind of impact it had on filmmaking and and you know its its iconography. It's such an important film to get round to. I'm disappointed it took me so bloody long to get round to it, but oh god, um, I didn't see I... Titanic since 2000. I didn't see Titanic until 2014. Why not? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but definitely go and uh, go and watch it for those who who haven't. It's brilliant. Even if you know we've talked about spoilers and this, but you know, go for it. It's still a brilliant film, and it's still got a lot to be appreciated in that. Um, mm. Is there anything else you want to sort of pop forward and talk about in terms of this? Um, you know, before we sort of wrap things up here. Um, I recommend if you're putting on Psycho, uh, maybe follow up with a double screening of either Mr. Sardonicus <laughs> or uh, the 2012 biopic just called Hitchcock, um, mm. which tells you the, the the story behind the production of Psycho. So any anecdotes I haven't included, all those textbook things are all there, done very, very effectively. Mm. Uh, I think we've got Helen Mirren, Scarlett Johansson. Who plays Hannibal Lecter? What's his name? Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins yeah. is the big guy, as as Alfie. Um, yeah, there's so many, so and that's a, and that's a trip. That's a ride. That's the sort of movie that will get you obsessed with this man as a creative. Mm. Um, he had no support or financing from the studio on Psycho at all. Really completely self-funded because everybody laughed him out of every room he was alfred hitchcock late career alfred hitchcock mm. at the high peak of his powers and they didn't let him do his smutty murderer movie <laughs> insane that's mad you wouldn't think that now but that's that's incredible it's easily the most iconic thing he's put it into the world isn't it <laughs> yeah no, oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's the one that everyone thinks of when someone says Hitchcock and his sort of career. Like, it's it's always cycle. That's always the one that people, you know, yeah, think of then, immediately. Also, feel free to suggest any if you can think of any. This is probably the strongest one-two punch a director's ever delivered. Like movie one year, and then this tentpole movie the next year. Mm. North by Northwest was the year before this, and that's. That's two of his classics. That's probably his two strongest movies back mm. to back. And I don't think anyone other than the likes of Takashi Miike or Steven Spielberg can do that. Like, oh God, <laughs> I still think it's amazing that man did Schindler's List and Jurassic Park simultaneously. That's imagine, I never knew that. Imagine really? going from that set to that studio. Oh my God. That editing room to the... To the 
gas chambers of Auschwitz. Jesus. That's and the, he got and he won Oscars for both of them. Yeah. So and yeah. rightfully and the bloody polar opposites. And yeah. the polar opposites. And they're yeah. both miracles. Miracle movies. And I think very much the same of North by Northwest and Psycho. Polar mm. opposites and both historically remembered. Yeah. Well, I've now got another film to add to the watch list then. Do it. <laughs> I've got a few actually after this, I think. I've got, I've got... And I wouldn't recommend all of Hitchcock's stuff, but no. uh, there's a real good few in there. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about one of obviously one of your favourite films. You've got so much to talk about. It's been great. Um, is there anything you want to sort of promote? Obviously, you know, you've got a YouTube channel, uh, Davis on YouTube. Um, Davis. But is there anything else you want to sort of promote um, for people to check out, links, all that sort of thing? I think just that, to keep it on topic, just that one video about interactive horror. So yeah. if you type in Davis Interactive Horror, I talk about everything from... from uh, the impacts that games have had, horror games mm. have had in it, even when back when DVDs from DVDs, back when they were interactive and had games on them and all that. Mm. And I talk about this real era that could have been like Mr. Sardonicus, like Psycho, mm. like Final mm. Destination. And it, it, it was a great horror experiment because horror is the genre that can experiment because it's at yeah. that level uh, where people don't treat it that seriously. Mm. And it's just a whole... I don't know. It's some of my favourite things film can do, and it just so rarely does. That's brilliant. And yeah, that's that's all you need to see in me. That's my only footprint on the internet, honestly. <laughs> that's worth a damn. But for those, for oh, those... and this podcast. Yeah, I'm here. I'm good here too. <laughs> of I course, hope. of course, absolutely. For those uh, listening and want to see that video and the channel, obviously they'll be linked in the description of this podcast on any so medium. Nice. If you can't click in it on Spotify, it'll be on uh, the website and. Apple Podcasts, whatever. You can find it somewhere. If not, it'll be on the Twitter page at Spill Your Beans. Uh, you can follow me at GB Sheard on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, that's basically it. Thanks so much for listening. What a stand up guy. Honestly, we'll... I'm more of a. <laughs> sorry, I've got, I've got a sandal, Sorry. <laughs> what a stand up guy. What a gem. Um, honestly, this movie's good, but it didn't scare me for a second. <laughs> it didn't scare me for a second. I'm a big boy now. I'm more of a bath guy anyway. and on that note thank you so much for listening to this podcast see you all next week bye bye